cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, what's up, everybody? Straight out the cannon. Got the wrong screen up here. I was looking at the uh, metrics to see where we are. Almost 100,000. Holy jeez. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. It is Worldwide Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. We're almost done with this year. Going to yeet the year out. Welcome to episode number 519 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I am your host, Dr. Cheryl Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Toasty Pops, Hemoglobin, CyberSafe Explorers, Williams K99, Alana, Joseph L, Alana, and Marcus Kyler, Adam B, Chris Young, and the Yeet Crew. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. F Zach's in the Yeet Squad now. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis alongside this delicious cup of coffee on what you need to know about these stories. And we've got some bangers today, y'all. I, I set the stories up already. Holy Jesus, get your chief wig I'm ready because it's going to be coming in hot. If you're looking to break into the industry, you're going to get value from the stream too because guess what? You, you're going to have to stay current. You're going to be asked how do you stay current in any job interview. Plus, the people here, the networking, it's freaking awesome. I love the Simply Cyber community. I think you will too. Uh, if you're a first-timer, get in here. We make the circle as wide as it needs to be to accommodate everybody. I can't wait for this show. But before we get into it, let me say holla, 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 holla to the, uh, squad, uh, to the squad sponsors, to the stream sponsors. Literally, I am coming in hot right now. Um, starting with Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your cyber program or can help you build a cyber program using tools like enterprise risk assessments, quantified risk assessments, fair methodology, a million different opportunities to take your cyber program to the next level with Panopsi's guidance. They have decades of experience that they can apply in a fractional role for your business in order to get you on the path to success that you need. Also, shout out, they don't really market it, but it's definitely worth knowing. They can help you do tabletop exercises in a way that's absolutely banging. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I might even run a live stream tabletop exercise uh, host. Oh my God. Hosted by um, Panopsi Security, just so you can see A, how do they do it? And then B, just realize value from, from them doing a tabletop exercise. All right, guys. Also, want to say shout out to Anti Siphon Training. Holla. 
Anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge cyber education to everyone. And the best part is it's regardless of financial position. Their pay-what-you-can training is pay-what-you-can. You can pay $0, no problem. Get in here. There's training for you. And their instructors are top-notch instructors. John Strand himself. If you're a squad member, go ahead and drop that John Strand emote in chat. John Strand himself teaches three different courses in the Pay What You Can program. Two of them are being taught very early in 2024. End of January is one of them. First week of February is the second one. Don't sleep on these opportunities. Guys, really, it's not about money then. It becomes about, is it a priority? Do you need to learn these things? Can you make can you make time to learn these things? Really, really good. Also, one of their instructors is the very talented Bo Bullock, who you may know as the author of Graph Runner, uh, a really, really good tool that can help offensive security professionals discover uh, cloud misconfigurations. Oh, by the way, he'll be my guest on Simply Cyber Live this Thursday. So if you want to see the man in his fierce beard himself, come by on Thursday afternoon. You will be happy you did. Also Barricade Cyber, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, every single episode of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat, grab a screenshot, file it away. Simple, easy, takes 30 seconds. You're here anyways. And when it comes time to... um, Submit CPEs, just count the number of files and multiply it by 0.5. Done. If you don't know what to say in chat, hashtag Team SC. Hashtag Team SC, Simply Cyber. We are one community. Hashtag Team SC. It's great to see you all, 212 of you beautiful people. I know a lot of people are on vacation right now, and I absolutely love it. I'll be taking a three-day weekend myself. No show on Monday next week because it is Christmas, the day where we bring in... (laughs) Uh, the Druid holiday of bringing a, a tree into your house. Um, all right, guys. It is Worldwide Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. I'm going to top my coffee off. Oh, this coffee's so good. And by the way, shout out to everybody in chat who was talking about the coffee. Loves a good coffee. Uh, I know some people don't drink coffee. Carrie, uh, James Driscoll, not coffee person. But the coffee's where it's at, y'all. Mm. All right. Got a fresh cup. Now, normally, if if you're hey, if you're new, <coughs> excuse me, if you're new here, drop a hashtag first timer in chat, please. We love knowing who our first timers are. We have a special emote, a special sound effect for all you first timers. Here's the emote. There's the sounder. Welcome to the party, pal. Hashtag first timer. If it is your first time on stream with us. Oh, yeah, the French press. You got to do the French press. I I have a travel French press. Thank you, CJ. Um, I have a travel French press. I have a travel uh, 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 water boiler. Uh, It's it's out of control. All right, guys. Worldwide Wednesday is my favorite segment. We have a special segment every day of the week. And Wednesday is Worldwide Wednesday. It is a sponsored segment, so I should have done this already. But let me do this really quickly. Uh, All right. Hold on one second. I got to pin this thing. Come on, man. Where's the little pin button? Why can't I pin this? Um, That's odd. I can't pin this. Uh, well, sorry, ACI learning. All right. I tried. I yeah, Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. All right, guys. Check it out. ACI learning sponsors the Worldwide Wednesday segment, which I love. Check it out. 
Worldwide Wednesday is presented by IT Pro TV, now IT Pro from ACI Learning, the international online training solution that professionals in audit, cyber, and IT tune to for binge-worthy content. Use my code, SimplyCyber30, to automatically get 30% off. What a coupon code off your first month or first year. If you're looking for the kind of the fastest path between here and learning, um, there's a lot of free stuff out there, but if you want a shorter path, ACI Learning, um, formerly IT Pro TV, they have an A-load of content on their platform. Daniel Lowry is one of their edutainers. Sophie Goodwin is on there. So if you're familiar with what they do, you know how good they are. So check it out. Worldwide Wednesday, y'all. Get ready. Mods, get ready. Here we go. So what I'm gonna about to do is I'm gonna ask you where you're at. And if you got it in you, tell me where you're at and we're gonna we're gonna see if we can cover this whole map. Ready? Uh, all right, gotta do some stretching. Here we go. Where are you at, squad? Let me set the timer to two minutes. Where are you at, squad? Where are we at? Good morning, Kimberly. Good morning, everybody. Pueblo, Pueblo, Colorado. All right, Justin Rower bringing on the United States. Good to see you. What's up, New Hampshire? Hey, Tennessee. Life of SQ. Samra bringing India online. Hey, Poland, I see you. Let's rock and roll, baby. Spain is in the house. Hi, Spain. Yes, sir. Jupiter, Florida's in here. Hey, Canada. I see you, Maple Leaf. I'm bringing it on. Saudi. Saudi, Saudi's in the house. Good to bring you online, Middle East. Texas is here. What's up? UK, England. Pip, pip, cheerio and all that. Hey, Toronto. Hey, Bangalore. Yes, sir. Colorado, New York City. Big Apple's in here. Perth, Australia. Bringing on Western Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Let's go, South Africa. I see you bringing Africa online. Hell yeah. Yes, sir. Tallahassee. Uh, ten Tallahassee. Tallahassee. France is here. I see London. I see France. Let's go. Va Beach is in the house. Hey, England. I see you. Japan. Fernando's bringing Japan online. Yes. South Africa, we got you. The PR. Chris Nee bringing on the PR. I see you. Yes, South Africa. North Carolina. North Kakalaka. Ethiopia from Houston, Texas. You know what, Medine? We're going to... We're gonna, we're gonna do it. We'll bring on Ethiopia. Living in Va. Nice sit, Patton. Absolutely. Ghana. Ghana, West Africa. Ooh, I'm clicking right today. Nigeria's in the house. Look at this. There is an African-related story today. So Africa, get ready. Zimbabwe. Dude, look at this. Africa's coming strong today. Kenya. Damn. Look at this. We got Africa in the house today. Liberia. Liberia's uh, west coast, isn't it? Uh, there it is. Dude, my African map game is strong today. What's up, Massachusetts? Hey, DR. Leonardo, my man. Good to see you. Leonardo's bringing the DR on. Buenos dias. All right, Sebasot. Massachusetts. I love it. West Virginia and Ecuador. All right. Great work, everybody. Great work, everybody. Let's see. All right, Perth, we're, we're totally pumped to have you in the house, Perth. Australia online. Uh, Japan bringing in the entire continent of Asia online. Looks like, oh, hold on, Josh Mason. This is just coming in right now. Colombia. Whoever's bringing Colombia in the house, thank you. I came in like a 
Yes, sir. We got it, everybody. Congratulations. Congratulations. First of all, shout out to Africa. You guys are crushing it. Second of all, whoever's bringing Colombia online, boom, baby. Uh, Ecuador's in the house. We got two, two countries in South America. Um, Leonardo's online. I'm going to call DR Central America just because of uh, the latitude of it. But guys, this is what I'm talking about. Morocco's in the house. Hell yeah. Look at this. Dude, you guys are awesome. You guys are absolutely awesome. We just went around the world in two minutes. Congratulations, Simply Cyber Community. I am, I am continue to be absolutely floored by all of you and how amazing you all are. Thank you so very much. Now, unfortunately, we've got work to do too. Wah, but don't worry. Uh, we'll have a good time. So let's settle in, get your coffee, get ready. And let's get to work, everybody. I will see you at the mid-roll. Let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Get your Chief Wiggums ready. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. I'm Sean Kelly. FBI disrupts Black Cat ransomware network. On Tuesday, the U.S. Justice Department announced that it has seized websites of the second most prolific ransomware-as-a-service operation, Black Cat, also called ELF-V, or Noburis. The DOJ said the FBI has provided a decryptor to dozens of victims globally, saving approximately $68 million in ransom demands. The search warrant reveals law enforcement used a confidential informant to infiltrate Black Cat, observe its operations, and obtain credentials to the gang's back-end affiliate panel used to manage extortion campaigns. Earlier this month, Black Cat's Tor-based leak site disappeared in what was believed to be a law enforcement operation. All right. What's up, Chief Wiggum? Good to see you. Hey, congratulations. We are, you know, because <laughs> because we are hardcore practitioners, uh, we went ahead and did this as breaking news yesterday uh, because really we should be talking about it the second this news drops. Um, Black Cat Alfie, the U.S. government uh, out of the FBI South Beach. So it's not just all David Caruso uh, sunglasses. Dun, dun. Uh, it's Kimberly McKnight and the and the Miami contingent, the Miami Sound Machine, getting busy on taking down and dismantling massive tier one ransomware threat actors. Um, I love this. A couple key takeaways for everybody in the house. Okay, one, I have yet to see any details. This is the first detail I've got where they said an insider was um, part of the operation. So I don't know if the FBI or some international law enforcement group got somebody arrested and basically um, turned them as an informant. That's, that's quite possible. That happens all the time. Former, former or active police officers, law enforcement, Leo's in chat. Um, if you have any thoughts on this, let me know detectives, but um, it's, it's not uncommon to like have someone get turned or dude, sometimes it's like uh, jaded lovers, right? Like, like I'm, 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 you know, dating one of the ransomware threat actors or something like that. And they screw me over. Or I catch them cheating on me on their phone. And I'm like, ah, I'll get you. I'll bring down your entire operation. So um, whatever it is, it wasn't a technical uh, mishap, which, again, really does um, really does reveal how sophisticated and effective this group is. It was an insider threat that got this taken down. 
Now, a couple things to take away here. One, this is major news, so we should all remember it. But more importantly, for actionable intel for cyber practitioners who are in there, one, this is why when you get hit with ransomware, you should contact law enforcement, right? The FBI, at least let them know. They have a decryptor. If you just got hit, like say you're a publishing company in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and you get hit with Black Cat in April, which is a true story. If you don't call law enforcement, you might pay the ransom. And there's a freaking decryptor out there that you could have taken advantage of. So I love A, that they are taking down and dismantling these operations, but also B, providing um, basically mollifying salves for victims to get right without having to uh, pay a ransom. Now, this doesn't, decrypting your stuff and getting back online does not uh, address the concern that your um, data has been exfiltrated, right? Your data is still out there. So when you're working through tabletop exercises and stuff, and you're like, oh, we just got hit with ransomware. That's a really popular scenario. You have to consider the impact. The impact is your business is down because your machines and endpoints are all not working because they're encrypted. But all your data is actually also out on the dark web for sale um, and possibly going to get leaked if you don't pay the ransom. This is a classic double extortion technique. Oh, Black Cat, you, you minx with your double extortion techniques. Conti Ransomware Gang kind of pioneered, aka Wizard Spider, kind of pioneered the double extortion. Basically, they just weren't getting their ransom money as fast as and as often as they wanted. Straight cash, homie. And they were like, we need straight cash, homie. Let's also take their data and sell it. We're in here anyways. Why not? So that's what's up. The second thing that's worth noting here is, um, yeah, so I, I do want to talk about this too. Um, Black Cat actually on, I think their tour site, I, again, I'm not sure what information I'm allowed to publicly reveal and stuff, but, uh, so without going too deep or giving names of like details and stuff, Black Cat has stated that they are unseized. They are back up. So like this story, it's like a big victory lap and we're having like a great Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza with all the law enforcement people talking about how he took down Black Cat. But Black Cat is back up. They said it was one of their domain controllers, maybe hosting DNS and, and got rerouted. But they, are, they, the threat actor gang, is saying that they are not down. Uh, again, like a multi-headed Hydra. Um, you cut down one and two more grow where they are. The, the, the final thing I'll say is that when you do a takedown like this, you have to physically kick in the door of the humans that are behind it and arrest them. You can't just you you can't just like redirect DNS to your law enforcement website and call it a day. Like the threat actors, they can rebuild infrastructure. They probably honestly some somebody at this level, they probably have backups like like literally a business continuity plan to spin up new malicious infrastructure. They make so much freaking money they would be stupid not to have a business continuity plan. Like at the end of the day, it's just a business. Their business is crime and it's deplorable, but it's a business. So if you're going to protect a business, best practices, cybersecurity, that's what's up. Uh, ooh, uh, Eric Taylor is saying uh, perhaps doing a podcast like basically a just in time podcast on this topic of what we know thus far, kind of like a breaking news 
you know, like when there's breaking news and they like cut to the uh, reporter and they're like, this is the update and the little Chiron across the bottom. Eric Taylor's talking about doing that. Uh, let us know in chat, actually. I mean, I, I can only imagine how lopsided this poll is going to be. But let's see. Do you want a what we know so far, Black Cat uh, live stream podcast, I guess, with Eric Taylor? Eric Taylor of Barricade Cyber. Let's see what everybody. Here you go, Eric. Here's the here's the deets if you want it. I'm gonna suspect 99% yes, 1% no, and they're just trolling. All right, let's keep going. But hey, you know what? I'm gonna do it again. International operation arrests thousands of cyber criminals. A coordinated global effort, codenamed Operation Haichi 4, has led to the arrest of 3,500 cybercrime suspects. South Korean authorities led the operation with support from agencies from 34 countries, including the U.S., the U.K., Japan, Hong Kong, and India. Between July and December, authorities targeted threat actors engaging in voice phishing, romance and AI impersonation scams, online sextortion, illegal online gambling, business email compromise, and e-commerce fraud. Interpol flagged and froze more than 82,000 bank accounts across 34 countries, resulting in seizure of about $200 million in hard currency and $100 million in virtual assets. Wow. Okay, so first of all, as I said, uh, your chief Wiggum emotes are going to get burned out today. Hey, Jeremy Williams from the Boo Boo Bus. Good morning. Happy holidays to you too, sir. Great to see you with that blue badging. Dude, all right. So Interpol, I love Interpol. Like, I've always loved Interpol. I think that name is so hot. <laughs> that Hansel's so hot right now. I think Interpol, it's like, maybe it was like baked into me from where in the world is Carmen San Diego. But I just think if you got Interpol coming after you, there's nowhere you can hide. Interpol is where it's at. Um, dude, 3,500 criminals arrested, $200 million in hard currency. Let that sink in for a second. $200 million in hard currency. When we're talking about these major, major, major uh, seizures, it's always like cryptocurrency, right? Like, oh, Lazarus Group stole $500 million of, of like Monero. Like, ooh, like good luck cashing that in. But dude, $200 million in hard currency, this, it, I don't even understand. <clears throat> like. I don't understand. This is not one gang. This isn't like one enterprise, one criminal syndicate they took down. They went like to the wood shop. I mean, uh, to the to the woodshed and just like like basically Oprah. Okay, where's my Oprah uh, emote? Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Right? Like the Oprah. Like you get arrested. You get arrested. You get arrested. Like there's nowhere safe. We're taking everybody down. You're committing crimes. Like you're like a low level fisher arrested. You're a high end romantic uh, scammer extortion arrested. Like you're going down, bro. Exactly. Yes, exactly. This is it right here. Thank you, BSEC. Regulators out there right now. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so 3,500 criminals, dude. Where do you put them all? Like, like there aren't enough. There aren't enough like jails on like buses converted to jails like where are you this is a massive massive takedown <clears throat> so way to go interpol <clears throat> and hopefully this um i hope i hope that this actually cripples a lot of 
uh, cybercrime, frankly. We could use the break. Am I right, guys? Like, we could use the week between, like, Christmas and New Year's off just to catch our breath before we go ham in 2024. But, dude... This is cool. Uh, again, this this story is like awesome. 34 countries, uh, law enforcement agencies from 34 countries, massive organization. Um, uh, the, it was a six-month operation, which I totally love. And basically, um, dude, they froze 80,000 bank accounts. Just like, please let it sink in for a minute. Again, I was never in law enforcement, but let it sink in. They arrested 3,500 people. That that's it. That's massive. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. All right. The TLDR here. The TLDR here is this is just a like let this wash over you as like, whoo, good work everybody. Good work. I'm super pumped. Glad to see it's working. Sony's video game plans leaked by ransomware group. Hackers claim to have leaked over 1.3 million files from Sony's Insomniac Games division. The receipt of ransomware group claimed the hack on December 12th, threatening to auction the data for approximately $2 million in Bitcoin. The leak includes game roadmaps, budgets, and details about its Wolverine game slated for release in 2026. The leak also reveals Sony plans to release several Marvel-inspired titles over the next decade, including Spider-Man 3. Other leaked details include compensation and personal info of dozens of current and former employees, photos of an executive's credit card, financial agreements, and multi-million dollar executive parachute payment agreements based upon the studio's sale to Sony. Um, okay. So, all right. Here. All right. So Sony, Sony's had a tough, tough run. Sony's a major, major entertainment uh, company, right? PlayStation five, Sony pictures. Uh, they were involved with the hack of, um, Sony pictures, hack of the interview, uh, North Korea hacked them. They were all pissy. Um, I mean, understandably the, the film is about assassinating their leader, uh, like them or not like them, I, you know, <laughs> still pretty like on the nose. Um, so this is huge. Okay. This is one of those ones where honestly, they're only like, I hate to say only, but they're only asking for $2 million right now. You shouldn't bow to these terrorists, but I think $2 million is actually like a really reasonable um, ask like Sony annual revenue. Again, I'm not condoning crime, but Sony made 88 billion. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sorry, get $88 billion. $88 billion. That is stupid money. That is ridiculous money. Like, what are you doing? Like after 20 billion, what do you like? Do you just like lose count? Holy crap. So $2 million to make this go away, very reasonable, all right? Very reasonable. Um, you know, so brand deals, all, you know, the Wolverine game that's coming out, Marvel, right? All of that stuff, honestly, you know, if it's not the source code, right? So like take the source code of the game out. If it's just like leaked pictures and stuff, I mean, to me, that's like pub public, that's like free marketing, right? Like I'm, I'm not... Obviously, Sony wants to control the marketing engine of the whole thing. But like, I don't know. It sounds like we're talking about it. I saw screenshots of a Spider-Man video game. It looked cool. So, 
again, I, I don't work in entertainment. I guess I do, right? This is entertaining. Hit the like button, if you will. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, the second thing I would say is I'm kind of stunned, honestly. Um, like Sony has been hit like on major breaches. They were also involved in the Move It breach. Uh, if you guys remember the Klopp ransomware gang over the summer, just like destroying businesses all over the place. Sony was in that as well. Um, so I would say two things for practitioners. One, um, you can use this Sony story right here because everybody knows Sony. Everybody knows PlayStation, right? Everybody knows Marvel, right? The, the, the movie studios have jammed Marvel down our throat to the point of uh, nausea, right? So you can use this story and say, listen, we need to be vigilant. The way I would use this story is like, listen, we need to be vigilant. Here's a timeline of Sony, an $88 billion company. Make sure you throw them the numbers in there because the business side, they like money. Great cash, homie. And be like, listen, an $88 billion company got hacked in 2014, got hacked in 2023 this summer with the Klopp ransomware gang. And just got uh, this Insomnia Studios video game leak also. It just goes to show you that even if you've been hit multiple times and you have essentially an infinite budget, if you're not vigilant, if you're not consistent, if you don't practice good cyber hygiene on the regular, you can get hit again and you will get hit again. So we need to think through, I, oh, I haven't said this on stream in a while. It's cyber resiliency, everybody, not cybersecurity. Like period, end of story. So we need to be resilient and think through what's going to happen if we get hacked, when we get hacked, how bad's the hack, how do we control it? Can we compartmentalize data? Can we control uh, access to the systems? Can we put in detection so we can see lateral movement in the environment? All of these things, because we're not stopping anything. All we're doing is managing while we're taking on water, right? Submarine takes on water, it can, it can compartmentalize the, the compromised part of the boat and keep on its mission. That's what businesses should be doing with cybersecurity or cyber resiliency. All right. Rite Aid banned from using AI facial recognition. The FTC announced Tuesday that it's banned Rite Aid from using facial recognition technology for five years. The FTC alleged <laughs> that between 2012 and 2020, Rite Aid used an often inaccurate AI-powered facial recognition database to identify customers it believed were shoplifters or dishonest. Rite Aid used grainy images drawn from security cameras, employee phone cameras, and even news stories to populate its database. The company then forced employees to stalk and sometimes humiliate those who had been wrongly identified. The FTC said Rite Aid did not take reasonable measures to prevent harm to consumers. What? And oh, okay. So two things. One, AI. Rite Aid's banned from using AI for five years. All right. Like good luck. Good luck um, implementing that. AI is baked into everything right now. You're not stopping Rite Aid from using AI for five years, FTC. Like, love you, mean it. You're not doing that. That That is not realistic. Second of all, Rite Aid, what the hell? Sorry, Kennedy. Rite Aid, what are you doing? What are you, like, what are you doing? Like, so AI facial recognition to identify shoplifters. Okay, like on principle, I get it. Having your staff humiliate customers and it's like a false positive. False positives where something registers that it's a problem and it's actually not. And false positives happen all the time in our industry. 
So here's my thing, right? I am a cashier at Rite Aid, right? And I, or I'm stocking shelves at Rite Aid. Like that's my job. My job is not to humiliate customers. Are you out of your freaking mind, bro? Get out of here with that. So good. I'm glad the FTC dropped a ban hammer on Rite Aid and shame on Rite Aid for using this. Dude, the use of AI facial recognition um, as a tool of capital surveillance is out of control. There's a very well-known example, and you can um, look this up, but uh, Madison Square Garden uses facial recognition. And they claim it's so like if a terrorist walks in, they can quickly identify before something horrible happens at Madison Square Garden. Now, again, I would like to bring this example up because this is a perfect case study on when you have a technology and it's put in place and nobody is going to disagree on using the technology for that reason. But then once you have it, it becomes very slippery slope because it becomes very easy to weaponize it for other applications. Madison Square Garden has the ability to identify people walking in and see if they are on, you know, a known threat list, like a you know terrorist cell or something. Okay. All right, good. Grab that person, get them out of here. Done, done, D. Also, there's a lawyer whose law firm is suing the owner of Madison Square Garden. She went in to go to a Rockettes concert last holiday season. She got about 10 feet in and they grabbed her and said, you're not allowed to be here as long as your law firm is um, suing, you know, Mr. Jones or whatever his name was. And she was there with the Girl Scout troop as a Girl Scout chaperone with her daughter. She was not there in a law capacity, wasn't serving papers or whatever lawyers do. But but because he has the technology, he just scooped her up and kicked her out. This is the challenge and the 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 concern with privacy and facial recognition and the application of it. And also, also, if you didn't know, airports in the United States are using they've rolled out AI facial recognition. You may not know it, but they have. And the idea is it's to make TSA screening much, much faster, much, much cleaner. Uh, and also to for safety and security to prevent um, threats from getting through security and onto planes. No one's going to disagree with that. But now if you are a political dissident or you're starting a, a revolution, guess what? You can't fly without getting um, detected. So anyways, not to go down a rabbit hole of like, oh, the sky is falling. I just want you to know that these things are happening. Uh, as far as practitioners go, all I would say is, be careful when you're making choices. The business, here, here's another thing for practitioners and people looking to break in the industry to take forward with you. The business, the business people, if you've worked in, in, if you've worked in industry for a while, you will know what I'm talking about and you can hashtag preach in chat. The business side of the house will get all geeked up and frothed up about opportunities, innovative technology. Oh, we can use AI to to sell more stuff. We can use AI to be faster, stronger, cut down on shrinkage. Like, oh, let's go. Like very little question as to like, is there data? Uh, like, are we, how do we like exit from this vendor? How do, are they going to protect our data? Do they offer multi-factor authentication? Have they been compromised? What, like all the business wants to know is what can you do for me? And can I get a free trial or can I use it? Right. Oh, by the way, 
like it's our job to basically police and round up the business side and be like, listen, bro, you totally can do all these innovative things, but like, let us do it together. And if, dude, if you work in IT, right? I know IT and InfoSec are two different things. If you work in IT, how many times have you just like shown up to work and someone's like, oh, I got this, put this in place, get this going. Happens in healthcare all the time. And the way to actually control that is by getting into the procurement uh, process and approving things before money gets allocated to spend it. But then you run into the situation where you get shadow IT or you get um, at the hospital, uh, some of the physicians would get tricky and they'd order like 300,000 tongue depressors and get a free x-ray machine thrown in uh, so it wouldn't show up on the on the PO, right? <laughs> so... Uh, it would look like a non piece of technology, so it wouldn't go through my office. And but then there was like a freaking medical device that just showed up running Windows Seven. I see you, Windows Seven, you tricky vendor. Catch me outside. How about that? Now, a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Don't let ransomware ruin your holiday. Remember to visit recoverfromransomware.com. Barricade Cyber Solutions are the trusted DFER experts, and they've saved 3,000 businesses and counting from ransomware attacks, small and medium businesses just like yours. Barricade Cyber is your solution for rapid data and security systems recovery. Book a meeting directly with the CEO to discuss securing your future today. Head over to recoverfromransomware.com to learn more. Nice job, Barricade Cyber. Holla, holla, holla. Let's Let's do this really quickly while we're uh, talking about Barricade Cyber and Eric Taylor. 94% of people out of 200 votes would like a what we know so far about Black Cat Takedown live stream podcast. There you go. All right, let's do this again. Um, <laughs> I, I have to do this manually so I don't um, so I don't so I don't anger the audio files in mod chat. Hey, 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 hey. All right, everybody. Welcome to the party, pal. All you first timers, this is called the mid-roll and we do this every day. Shout out to all of you. Thank you to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber. Genuinely appreciate Eric Taylor and all the work he and his whole team do. Panopsize Security for all that they do. And Anti-Siphon Training, John Strand, Deb Wigley, Jason Blanchard, Ian Meyer, Velda Lemke, and the entire team over at Anti-Siphon. Just really making education accessible to everybody. If you're getting entertainment value from the stream, educational value from the stream, do me a solid, hit the like button. It goes a long way to helping us uh, get in front of other people, right? We want people to take advantage of this, right? Like basically, if you're enjoying the stream, other people will enjoy it too, hopefully. Let's go ahead and I just want to refresh this page really quickly and look at... 91,000 people so far. Holler at that. That's cool. Thank you so much to the 91,000, including all of you, the 427 of you beautiful people. Guys, Worldwide Wednesday was dope. We went around the world. Super cool. Always appreciate that. Hey, guys, let me tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Jonathan Booley currently has the baton. Jonathan Booley is going to tag somebody in chat. Let me ask you this. If you could spend five minutes a day in investing in your own professional network, something that you can take with you and will grow over time, it'll age like a really, really good imperial stout. Check this out. Go on LinkedIn 
and search for this hashtag. We made it up, we've driven this, and it works. Search for this hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. You will find Jonathan Booley's post. You will absolutely find Jonathan Booley's post. Comment on Jonathan Booley's post, right? Connect with Jonathan, connect with the people in the comments. I'm in the comments. I connected with the people in the comments. So for five minutes, I made some new network connections of people that I know are legit, supportive cybersecurity people. Now here's where it gets bananas. Everybody that goes and checks out the post right now is gonna see my comment and the other people who have already commented. Connect with the people in the comments. You will passively grow your own professional network while you sleep because of this cycle. Five minutes a day for two weeks, come back and tell me it didn't work. I dare you, or I don't dare you, I challenge you. You will find, you will find your professional network grows. Jonathan Bully, his story's awesome. Healthcare, he got a great mentorship when he was younger. He got a little uh, devious and instead of being punished, he was uh, supported and shown how he can harness his curiosity for good. Love it, love it, love it. Rex, two months longer than some celebrity marriages. <laughs> love the squad membership. All right. Hey, Benny Blanco for the first time. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Benny Blanco, hashtag first timer. Love it, love it, love it. Benny, thanks for being part of the show. Love it. All right, guys. So good. Let me just take another slug of the of the uh, of the coffee here, and then we're gonna get right back into it. Mm. So good. Stay tuned to the end because we're gonna do jaw jacking. Yeah. La, 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 la. All right, guys. Let's get back into the news. Great work, everybody. Hackers abusing GitHub to control compromised hosts. Researchers at Reversing Labs have identified threat actors leveraging new techniques to host their command and control infrastructure in GitHub. The first technique abuses secret gists, which are many repositories that are hidden from GitHub's Discover feed and the author's profile page. Threat actors are blending their malicious network traffic with genuine communications to make detection more challenging. Researchers then discovered a second technique exploiting version control features and leveraging Git commit messages to extract execution commands. The researchers said that while the use of GitHub to host C2 infrastructure is not new, the abuse of secret gists and version control features is novel. All right. Effort. So this, okay. So first of all, hat tip to the threat actors. Um, I say it on the stream all the time. I do not endorse or condone cyber criminal activity, but I mean, that's the job. That's what we're doing here, right? It's um, slowing down, preventing, stopping them. But it's a game of cat and mouse. And the bad guys, they have some really, really clever people on their side. Like almost to the point where like, I wish that they would apply their, skills for good but you know whatever um and this is another one of those hat tips so it's not uncommon for threat actors to put malware up on dropbox google drive OneDrive, etc and then you send a link to carl right carl's our avatar <gasps> our end user avatar you send carl an email hey carl like here's an updated invoice or hey carl here's the request you know like you know we talked about it at the conference click here it says dropbox you know, you're like, all right, all right, Dropbox is trustworthy, and boom, you pull down malware. Well, there's all sorts of ways to detect that, slow it down, etc. So threat actors are now using GitHub, another 
online, well-known repository in order to be part of their infrastructure, right? A C2 infrastructure or command and control infrastructure is used by threat actors to interface with their compromised endpoints, guys. That you got to remember, like, just to, to take a step back for a second, real threat actors, real cyber criminals, they don't, it's not, this isn't 1997 where like they just hop on your box and like they're like, like I'm rooting around in your box. They have much more sophisticated tools and they will compromise dozens or hundreds of endpoints. And in order to manage that basically booty, right? To, to, I mean, like basically like their, their, their uh, assets or their, you know, like their booty, the things that they've like got, um, they need a uh, kind of centralized management. So they have consoles that will tell them all of the things that they've got. And like basically one click to push, um, you know, new payloads to it. One click to like take a screenshot and, and send it back to see what's going on there, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So this is command and control. And if you can get to the command and control of the infrastructure, you can take it down, which is why they host it in Eastern Europe a lot of times because they have bullet, it's called bulletproof hosting. That's why whenever I see somebody, some threat actor group hosting their infrastructure in the United States, you're like, bro, are you kidding me? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Because like the FBI and, and, and law enforcement can just tell, you know, Terramark or AWS to like take down that infrastructure instantly. So using GitHub, is clever. You like open source um, projects can take code, so you can host literal code. You can also put, um, like you can see here. I don't know if the screenshot's actually legit or not, but you could see here they have some like random obfuscated generic uh, statement. Threat actors could use those generic statements. Like instead of saying "take screenshot," they could just have like you know thirty characters randomly generated, but that represents the "take screenshot." function call, right? So they could they could hide in plain sight, they could obfuscate. So um, if you are a um, cyber protector or cyber you know practitioner, you should absolutely be mindful of this attack, include it in your um, detection tuning, include it in your threat hunting, looking for commands going out to GitHub. Does that make sense? What, what are you doing? And all that. Uh, Jeremy Williams with the blue badge, love it, Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, it's been a great year. Love seeing your growth and reach expanding. Thanks, Jeremy. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Great to see you in the in the stream. Hope everything's well with you and yours, Jeremy. Um, again, and <clears throat> by the way, if you're looking to break into the industry, this is a great uh, story to read and really digest and think through. Because if you get asked in a job interview around, like you know, like fit, like like as an example, they might say, "Hey, like." Uh, you know, what do you know about phishing or like, you know, some type of phishing email comes in? Like, what are your thoughts around how to handle that? What's the workflow? You can answer, you know, the standard response around phishing, talk to the end user, look what they clicked, what did they get, reset the passwords, et cetera, et cetera. But then you can also feather this story in and be like, well, you know, it really depends. Like, what was the link in the email? We could check that out. I've I've actually seen where threat actors are moving away from online file storage repositories like Dropbox and OneDrive and have started using GitHub to host that malicious C2 infrastructure. It was just in the news on December 19th. So this is really interesting. Like you're dropping that in a job interview. The person on the other side of the table is like, I didn't know that. Like, holy shit. Like, holy crap. Like, That's awesome. That's awesome. When can you start? January 15th. Get in here. 
Let's go. I came in like a Telecom organizations targeted by Iran-linked hackers. A cyber espionage group dubbed Muddy Water and linked to Iran's intelligence service has been targeting telecommunications companies in Egypt, Sudan, and Tanzania. The group's activity in Africa is believed to be linked to the war between Israel and the Palestinian militant group Hamas, which is reportedly supported by Iran. Egypt, which borders Gaza, has been involved in the ongoing war and has also been the most targeted by the Muddy Water campaign. Over the past few months, Muddy Water's activity has mostly been aimed at organizations in Israel. Oh, all right. For now. Be all right, oi, with the cyber already. Have an awesome day to you, too. All right, guys, telecom orgs in Africa. We had huge African uh, representation today on Worldwide Wednesday. So shout out to Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Liberia, Nigeria, Ghana, and Morocco. You're in this news today. Um, if you work in telecom or communications in any of those countries, you definitely should be mindful um, that Muddy Waters is targeting you. It looks like it's mostly Egypt, Sudan, and Tanzania, which is none of the ones we just talked about. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't get hit as well. Um, basically, this is one of those stories where when you see it, I'm like, okay, um, you basically need to think like you need to revisit your threat model and say, hey, there's an uptick in activity on communications within African countries. If that is in scope of the businesses and the business units that you are responsible for protecting, this right here um, turns the dial to the right on likelihood of, of being compromised, right? So when you're doing your risk calculations, if you boil it down to like its most basic, basic um, principles, likelihood and impact. That's what we're doing here, right? So your likelihood, it goes up. You're going closer to the red side of the graph. Uh, so be mindful of that. You you would even like, honestly, if it was me and I was like, all right, I do work in telecom and I do work in, uh, we have business units in, in Ghana, right? Which is not one of the ones attacked, but um, I might say, okay, like muddy water. We've been following muddy water for a, way, a while. What are their TTPs? Miter attack, right? Miter attack. This is exactly what I would do. Um, like, like exactly what I would do. Resources. Where, where's the groups? Where's the groups, man? Yeah. CTI groups. And then I would go right to muddy water. There's gotta be one here from muddy water. Yep. There is right here in muddy water. And then I would say, all right, here we go. Like they're targeting, you know, these businesses, we already agree. We already agree because of the uptick in activity that this is something we need to be mindful of. So how do we do it? Like, let's be deliberate about what we're doing. I would go right to MITRE ATT&CK, pull up this AT, um, APT uh, page with all their information, and I would go right here and I would start looking at their TTPs and figuring out what's going on here, okay? And then once I do that, I would look at our current security controls right? Our EDRs, our firewalls, or, or what, like whatever, and uh, make sure that we have coverage over, um, over this, right? Maybe even run something like uh, Atomic Red Team, Red Canary, um, Atomic Red Team, just to like, you know, actually make sure that our EDR, like, here's another thing that people should know, all right? And again, practitioners, you should totally do this. It's one thing to have an EDR solution and be like, oh, this, this is awesome. We run, you know, 
what I don't want to say a specific brand name, right? But we run this, you know, top tier best of breed EDR solution. We pay 200 grand a year for this. Oh, it's so sick. Okay. Does it work? <laughs> right? I mean, maybe, I hope so, but you can do something like run Atomic Red Teams on it and make sure that if Muddy Water were to execute one of their attacks, that it would run. Now, don't run this on like a production machine. Put one in a lab, run it, and make sure that it catches it. And if it doesn't, you need to tune the EDR. If it doesn't catch it, you need to tune your controls. If it still doesn't catch it, you need to put detection tuning uh, in your sim uh, or to go threat hunting in your sim and make sure that you have clickable queries where you can go find this type of activity, okay? that's This is like getting more into the tactical details, but you can't just assume that you got coverage because you pay a lot of money for an EDR solution. You need to verify, okay? Targeted 2022 U.S. elections. On December 11th, U.S. authorities declassified reports. Hold on. Synodos Amaha says hashtag newcomer. Judges, we're going to take it. We're going to take it. That's a first timer call out. Hashtag first timer. Uh, Love it, Synodos. Thanks for being here that foreign actors attempted to use IT operations to influence 2022 midterm elections. Agencies including the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, CISA, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence have high confidence that China approved efforts to influence races involving both Democratic and Republican parties. The report indicated moderate confidence that Iranian intelligence services conducted operations to undermine U.S. democratic institutions, while the Russian government and its proxies propagated a defamation campaign against the Democratic Party. The agency said they did not find any evidence that the malicious cyber activities successfully affected the 2022 election process. All right. So a couple things here that you need to know about. One, uh... Our Lady of Cybersecurity, Jen Easterly, over CISA, uh, responsible for um, election integrity. No evidence of election hacks in 2022. Love it, love it, love it. Guys, cybersecurity and election uh, tampering, like, we're good, okay? Like, from a technical perspective, not a problem. The impact to the democratic process in the United States and all of the, lack of a better term, hacking, it's mostly people hacking, right? Russia in 2016 uh, did use um, hacking techniques to get into the emails of the people in the Democratic National Campaign and or convention or whatever, the conference, and screw around with that. So that was hacking. But in 2023, 2022 election, upcoming 24 election, it is way more powerful and way more bang for your buck, honestly. Great cash, homie. If, if you're a adversary who's interested in compromising the United States election, <clears throat> you get way more return on your investment by spreading misinformation, by spreading disinformation, by weaponizing social media, by getting people frothed up, by getting people going to the polls and casting their vote, right? It's, it's much more complicated. It's much more elegant than just a hack. But if you sow, if you sow the seeds of uh, d- doubt and discontent and and uh, whatever in the people, it's much more powerful than hacking a, a vote. <laughs> so 
we have a lot of manual processes in place. Different states do different things. There's ballot recounting. Um, the, like the, 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 the impact is going to be around disinformation and misinformation, or the, the threat is around misinformation, disinformation, not really election hacking, tampering, et cetera. Uh, fun fact, if you're interested, um, DEFCON every year, DEFCON in the summer in Vegas every year, they have an um, like election hacking village or voting village. Uh, what, I forget what they call it. I think it's voting village, but like you can go in and do security research and hack on election machines and contribute to that's area of security research. So if this gets you all uh, excited and hot and bothered, uh, just know that there's an entire like field niche in our industry for doing that. Um, and uh, shout out to CISA. Love what they're doing. Oh, also, uh, like just Jen Easterly accepted my LinkedIn connection and said hello. I'm sure it was an autoresponder. I'm, 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 you know, whatever, but it's cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. Terrapin attacks can downgrade security of open SSH connections. Researchers have developed a new attack called Terrapin that allows attackers to downgrade the public key authentication algorithms or disable defenses against keystroke timing attacks in OpenSSH 9.5. The researchers say Terrapin exploits weaknesses in the SSH transport layer protocol in combination with newer cryptographic algorithms and encryption modes introduced by OpenSSH over 10 years ago. The attackers must be positioned at the network layer of a connection using specific encryption protocols to modify the handshake exchange. Despite Terrapin's specific requirements, the 77% adoption rate of the noted encryption modes makes the attack feasible in a real-world scenario. As vendors work to address the issue, the researchers have published a Terrapin vulnerability scanner on GitHub for admins to check their implementations. All right, here we go. We got, um, first of all, Academic research. This is one of the, I, I, I hate to say this, but this is like one of the, no, I don't want to say rare, but this is, this academic research is incredibly applicable to business today, right? A lot of times academic research is like really novel and cool, but you can't apply it today. Um, this uh, infographic is so hot. That Hansel's so hot right now. All right. So here's the deal. SSH secure shell it is the remote access protocol and and you know application that we use all the time mostly to connect into linux systems okay and if you didn't know i know windows systems are very you know very cool and like you know most businesses run windows domains but if you think of windows as like um i don't know i don't want to call them cows but like Linux machines are very powerful and they are very relevant in modern IT infrastructure, okay? If you think that no one's running Linux, you're mistaken, right? And, and when I say running Linux, I don't mean for like your daily driver endpoint operating system. I'm talking about running backend IT infrastructure. Linux is wicked powerful, super configurable, um, worth its weight in gold. But the way that we connect to these things is typically over SSH. Now, what is going on with this story and what should you do about it? Okay. One, you should either um, test this yourself or share this with your Linux admins. Chances are, and I, I hate to be flipping about this, but chances are your Linux admins have automated most of their job already um, and they're like chilling. 
So sending this over to them will, will be exciting for the Linux admins. I'm sure that they will uh, enjoy the opportunity to check this out. They said the researchers released a tool on GitHub that allows you to check your instance to see if it is vulnerable to this attack. Now, let me stop for a second and, and point this out. Criminals can also download this tool to see if your system is vulnerable to this attack. SSH is typically, it's used for remote access. So a lot of servers on the internet will allow, will be using SSH, right? So we have to have some internet facing systems, okay? So threat actors can absolutely use this and absolutely get on your box. So you need to prioritize this. Again, you should definitely be scanning your external network infrastructure to make sure that it's secure. You know what it is, kept up to date. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. This particular SSH thing, here's the deal, okay? When you make a connection, any connection, any connection, you're a client, you're making a connection to a server, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. We'll use SSH in this case. You make a connection. The server wants you to make the connection. Whoever stood the server up wants to serve, right? That's why it's called a server. But it doesn't necessarily know who the client is that's going to try to make the connection and what they're going to use. So for the server to be incredibly flexible and serve as many clients as it, it can, it will allow multiple types of connections to be made. And I don't mean like on different ports and stuff. What I mean is, you know, like, like uh, imagine if you will, you're using a web browser, you know how you, you, you pass like a user agent and it says you're using Chrome or you're using um, a Mac or you're using Internet Explorer, right? Like, like sometimes it's got operating system information. Sometimes it's just the browser. It's Safari. The reason it's doing that is because the server wants to serve different things. And with SSH, it can allow different types of encryption to be used to make that secure connection. It can support this library or this library or this protocol or this schema. Usually it's like different algorithms. What is happening here is instead of connecting with like the best one, AES or whatever, it is allowing you to downgrade to a vulnerable version of an encryption algorithm that then their tool is going to take advantage of. Okay, so this isn't widespread. Yeah, you got to stop everything and patch it. But if you are vulnerable and they can get in line and do a man in the middle attack, which essentially this is, they can they can basically sniff your traffic okay that's that's what's going on here um and i almost wonder yeah it's a man in the middle attack so like basically your secrets will be out i don't think they'll be able to um decrypt your uh, i'm not not decrypt like remotely access your server i don't think the credentials get passed through but your your secrets will be right so hopefully this makes sense they are basically downgrading the level of encryption that the connection is going to be made. So you still make an SSH connection to the server, but it's not it's not a known, solid, uh, unbreakable encryption. Essentially, that's what's going on. Hopefully that all makes sense. Um, and that does it for today's cybersecurity headlines, but we're looking ahead to B-side. All right, here we go. All right, everybody, look at us at 903. Hey, Chris Weaver's in the house. What's up, Chris Weaver? 
give a shout out to Chris. Chris was the Simply Cyber community member of the uh, of the week on Monday. Hi. All right, guys. Hey, really quickly, if you were here just for the news and you got a boogie, before you go, just a reminder that um, Bull Bullock is going to be my guest tomorrow, or what's today, Tuesday? On Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so come check that out. Dude, the guy is amazing. He's got a tool. He's going to demo it. You can play with it, too. It's basically like a unbelievably powerful offensive security hacking tool for uh, cloud, right? For for uh, um, Azure uh, environments. I think AWS, but definitely Azure environments. All right, guys. I'm Jerry, your chat. If you were here just for the news, thank you all so very much. Be well, and we will see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Now, if you want to do some jaw jacking, if you want to hang out, let's do that too. Otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow. Be well, everybody. Let's flip the script and get into some jaw jacking. All right, everybody, what's up? Hope everybody's well. Welcome to Jaw Jack, and I'm your host, Jerry Guy, where we just kick it for about 30 minutes. AMA, ask questions, share resources, updates on Simply Cyber. I drink my coffee, which has now gotten kind of cold and uh, most unfortunate. Uh, great show today. Love all the law enforcement. I, dude, I we we needed a we needed a win, right? We needed a win in the win column. We've been getting punched in the face a lot lately by these criminals. Netta J saying thank you for all you do. I'm an ISSM who's trying to transition to cloud. What steps should I take to transition? I have a system sec plus and ch certs. Uh, very cool. Um, so Netta J, I would just say like, what do you want to do in cloud security? Right? Do you want to be an engineer hardening? Do you want to manage a team? Do you want to be offensive security? Uh, the one thing I would say right off the bat, the bat, uh, Netta J is whatever I, I would focus on one cloud platform. And I really, I would look at AWS or Azure and I would get, um, there's free training provided by Amazon and by Microsoft on those two platforms. And I would go get the, uh, security architect, um, certification and training, uh, for the corresponding platform. Like basically Cloud is so unique itself and Amazon and Microsoft are, are doing it kind of differently. Uh, so I would absolutely go get trained up on their, on their technology stack. And um, also, also I would actually get uh, trained up Netta on CICD pipelines, uh, continuous integration, continued deployment, uh, the modern way of software engineering. I'm not saying you need to become a software developer, but what I am saying is, Cloud really does take a lot of advantage of API, CI, CD. So understanding what that looks like will enable you to better serve in a cloud security uh, role. That's what I would do. I need a microwave out here. Oh, for my coffee. Yeah, I'm getting a little uh, beer fridge uh, at some point out here. I just like Cyber 101 has been owning me. I, I absolutely need to get in front of that. By the way, I got shout out to all the people who reached out to me for beta testing. I've got all the beta testers now. Uh, I will reach out to you, uh, beta testers. Um, I need to like formalize the questionnaire. Uh, I am. I, I want this to be a full thing. So like, I want you to sign up and get the automated email that's going to have a link 
on going to the the lab environment and you know what i mean so like it, this isn't just like do you like my video it's it's like you're a student here's the student experience i need to make sure that all of the automation's working so just know the cyber 101 is not just me dumping videos online and you consuming them it's an entire experience um which is what i'm wicked excited about so let's roll all right let's go here um shuttle crab tagged for the community challenge shuttle crab are we uh i do not have the coaster that keeps my coffee mug warm leonardo um honestly like it's it's just the dregs that's that's left i i, I typically drink my coffee in a timely manner uh shuttle crab shuttle crab you there bob power you there <laughs> that's a deep cut turn off turn off the bass in trouble and let my sound clear 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 all right hey let's keep rolling through on the questions uh isaka you need five years of experience in the field is that correct uh anita galvez for the asaka cert so isaka is an organization with multiple certifications um i'm not sure which one you're referring to i think the cism is a five-year one um, I think CISA, the auditor one, is only two years. And honestly, guys, with with the with the certifications and the years of experience uh, requirements, I don't, I don't lie. Obviously, integrity is 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 very important. But there is a lot of flexibility, right? Like, say you're a, a Windows sysadmin, right, and you've been doing that for two years. Like, if if you ever like audit or like if you ever audit your systems for configurations or you've ever um, thought through like, you know, you've installed endpoint detection response tool, you know, tools or something like that, you're doing security related work. Don't think that your years of experience for qualifying for certifications has to be like you're in a cyber engineer role. Like cyber <clears throat> goes across the entire organization and there is a lot of cyber work and experience that you're doing that, um, uh, qualifies. Uh, also, hey, really quick, I'm going to keep answering questions, but I do, I, I wanted to ask everybody, this is like such a dumb question, but I need help with it. Um, I told everybody yesterday on jawjacking about the digital graphic artist that I've hired uh, to basically rebrand and, and like have a cohesive identity to Simply Cyber, which is super awesome. I'm super stoked about it. Um, this individual is in Canada. His business is in Canada. I tried to pay him and um, I like, I can't, I can't like issue a payment to Canada. Like, does anyone, like, has anyone paid, has anyone in the United States paid a business in Canada? Like, is there, a, I know this sounds ridiculous and silly, but like, is there a well-defined workflow that I'm supposed to do? I, I don't know, but it's, it's, I want to pay it in 2023 for tax reasons. <laughs> and I can't figure out how to get this guy. Like it's literally like fry from Futurama with a fistful of cash saying, take my money. I desperately want this um, company to take my money. Uh, William Ayers over on LinkedIn says, I love your background, Jerry. Is that the, from Steam Windows background? It's a great cyber picture and the purple light looks awesome too. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, William Ayers. So what we're doing here is this is a TV and I always just throw up a different, um, you like YouTube video. That's like basically a cool screensaver right now. We got eight bit pixelated, um, 
stream. Um, that is a Simply Cyber neon sign that Mrs. Ozier got me for Christmas last year. Love it, love it, love it. And then these right here, those, I have two of these, like they're called newer, that's the brand, newer tube lights. They're two feet, I think two feet long. You can, uh, you may not notice it, but do you see how there's a red light cast on me? It's subtle, but like I have another one right there off screen. Um, there we go. We got another one. I love it. And thanks for the kind words. Um, I actually have lights in the ceiling that are um, like that, that. This one's right above me as a rim light. And then I have three more in here, blue ones right now, but I can change them uh, if I'm going to do like a live video podcast over here. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's what's up. Thanks, William. I, I, I love light. I that's a, Hey, here's like a free tit or like a bonus tidbits Tuesday. I love light. I love light. Uh, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. All right. Uh, right. Josh Mason, um, just commenting on the SSH story. Uh, basically, uh, basically patch your SSH and you'll be fine. Oh, you got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. All right. Um, what resources you have analyzing email headers? Uh, so Jazzy Jess... Check this out. This is actually a really cool tool that uh, Microsoft has made freely, freely available. Um, Microsoft email message analyzer. I use this all the time. Yeah, right here. Check this website out. Like, does anyone have a an email message header? Um, So check this out. Like, I don't have one right now. If, if someone, the thing is, I don't want to dox anyone. But like, basically, if you just copy and paste an uh, email header right here, this, and, and hit the analyze button, it'll basically break it all down right here and show you all the things uh, in a nice, clean format. I use this tool. Um, I used to use this tool all the time. This is like free and effective and it doesn't need to be microsoft email it could be anything or any email but yeah this this is the tool i use jazzy jazz that's what you need that's what you need to use holla all right what, what else we got doc g this is nsa virus lab coming at me doc g how much power did you get in the cyber shed i built mine with 100 amps main um nsa virus lab i don't know so there's a lot of things i do know and there's a lot of things i don't know and i'm very proud um, to say that like the things I don't know, I absolutely don't pretend to know and I get people to help me. So all I can say NS virus lab is that I hired a electrician and he put a, like, if this tells you anything, he put a separate panel on my house and ran a separate power to my house. I have, um, it's, I can't show you cause it's mounted, but I have a, um, <clears throat> I think they call it split V. I've got a Mitsubishi electric um, HVAC unit attached to this house and it runs off that. And I've got all the power that you could imagine. I, I think I've got more than enough. Fun, fun, funny story. Um, when the HVAC company was installing this HVAC unit, uh, again, the studio is 10 foot by 12 foot. The guy, and I live in the country, or I live in the South, right? So 
a lot of mossy oak people running around here, a lot of hunters, <clears throat> a lot of um, outdoors people. And the guy who was mounting this thing's like, oh man, he's like, this is sick. What are you doing out here? And I'm like, oh, I, I do YouTube videos. He's like, oh, he's like, I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were hanging. Um, I thought this was like a deer meat cooler thing. Like he's like this split V here. He's like, you can get this, this room down to be able to hang deer in here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh yeah. He's like, you can make this a cooler out here. This thing will, this thing will get you down there into that level of cold if you want. He's like, this space, like this split V is designed for like an entire basement. And I've got a 10 foot by 12 foot space. He's like, oh yeah, you could, you could totally hang meats out here. I'm like, all right, well, if simply cyber doesn't work out, um, my backup plan is a meat hanging facility, I guess. I'll have to talk to Mrs. Ozier about that. Thoughts on the movie, Mr. Robot. So Jawan Hart, Mr. Robot. It, I don't know if there's a movie, Mr. Robot. I didn't know that they did that, but there's definitely a TV show called Mr. Robot. So I'm just going to assume that's what you're talking about. Mr. Robot, the TV show is 100% accurate. And all the things that he does in that show is legit. They actually have, I think Sammy Kamkar is technical director um, over security for Mr. Robot, or at least he was involved at some point. And they make it a point to make sure that all the things that are done in Mr. Robot are are realistic and practical. Now, sometimes Mr. Robot, the guy, he'll sit down and he'll just like code, like he'll write a Python script and like with zero bugs. And I mean, that's kind of like outrageous, but all the hacks, the, the rubber duckies, um, the attack on the data center, where, you know, he compromises. Um, that's all real. Um, uh, here's just a fun a fun site. I don't know if you guys know this one, Hacker Typer. But check this out. Um, you, can, you can screw with people like this. Uh, watch this. Like, yes, 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 no, no. Yes, 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 no, no. Yes, yes. Hacking, I'm hacking. I'm hacking right now. And like, obviously this looks all legit and it's super silly, um, but you can, you can mess with people, um, which is fun. Okay. Hacker typer. Okay. Go check that out. It, it just, it's a fun little, it's a fun little toy. It's a toy. I mean, it's basically for, for comic relief or something, right? If you want to mess with somebody, that's a fun little thing. All right. Uh, William Ayers, do you think it's still worth learning? Oh, cool. Eric Taylor answering my question. Thank you, Eric Taylor. I'll have to call the bank on that. William Ayers, do you think it's still worth learning to code or will AI take the majority of that work in the future? I'm looking at C, but now I'm not sure where to focus my studies. Um, yeah, I've got some dark, dark thoughts when it comes to AI, uh, honestly. So I'll try to not taint the stream with that. Uh, as far as learning to program goes, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of software engineering jobs per se, but understanding how code works and what like, like, like C, for example, C really gets in like memory allocation and these type of things, understanding how programming works and how computers work and how software works is valuable. Okay. Because like you, you might have to write your own tools. Threat actors are going to write code. You have to be able to analyze code, deobfuscate code. Um, 
write like you know write code that like does you know whatever like scripts and stuff like that so i think there is value in it um william i don't think it's a, a dead art um okay i will tell you that i got a computer science degree i was a software engineer for a hot minute and i don't i, I mean i use i use my ability of coding all the time to like you know like like um not hack stuff but like read something or understand something or tweak something uh but i'm not like sitting down writing code um all right jonathan Lindsay. uh you may have talked about this before i try and stay updated but in three to four years you think it's going to be ai hell on the internet <sighs> yeah um it's 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 i don't know man ai is really changing ai is changing everything um, and I mean, right now your best bet is to just like use AI to help you do your job, whatever it is, right? If you're not using AI right now, you're going to be behind. Okay. You, you definitely have to use AI. Um, you have to use AI. All right. Um, as far as AI hell goes, um, I'll just, I, I'll leave this as an exercise to you, but look up, look up what swarms are. Look up what AI swarms are. That's where I think we're going, and that is scary to me. In fact, I'm I'm desperately trying to build a swarm of my own, literally, so I can understand it better. Uh, but look look at look up Dave Shapiro on YouTube and look into AI swarms. All right. Uh, have you ever implemented ISO twenty seven thousand one? Kuda Chimera asks: Is it possible to use transferable skills from NIST? So I will tell you this. One, I've never done ISO 27000 in, in an implementation. Two, uh, whether it's ISO, NIST, CSF, whatever, I would say, and this is kind of like a, a kind of a thumb in the wind thing, but like 80% in Alana, Alana Boyajim will definitely uh, back me up on this one. 80% of all frameworks are the same, right? Like they're all going to have authentication. They're all going to do auditing. They're all going to do backups and business continuity. They're all going to make sure that someone's in charge of InfoSec, right? Like, so it, it's, it's, there's 20% that's like how they're doing it or like some controls that you may not thought of or whatever, but like all frameworks are kind of like 80% the same. So when you say transferable skills, yeah, 853 to ISO 27,000. Sure. There's, there's going to be a ton of, um, transferable skills. What I would say is remember 53 is a, um, control catalog. So it's much more like 837 is transferable to ISO 27,001. Um, I would pull down the NIST cybersecurity framework spreadsheet and look at, um, on the spreadsheet, there's like a, um, there's a column with, uh, with like controls, right? So, so basically I could pull it up if you want, but like Basically, there are mappings already out there of NIST 853 controls to ISO 27,000 controls that support ISO 27,000. So you can you can find those mappings pretty quickly and see where the overlap is. Okay. Mark Santiago says, I'm a military vet and an industry entrant. Do you know any groups in Charlotte where I can shadow experienced people in the field? Mark, I do not know people in Charlotte that you could do that with, but chat, if you're in chat right now, 
um, and you're in Charlotte and you know of anything, please let me know. I will tell you, uh, Mark, that there is a pretty good uh, cybersecurity community in the upstate around uh, like Clemson and uh, Greenville, Spartanburg, which I don't know how far away that is from Charlotte. I would be stunned if there wasn't a Charlotte group since Charlotte's kind of a major financial city. Uh, like financial industry is big in Charlotte. So, and there's a lot of info second there. So uh, if anyone can help Mark Santiago, please uh, comment and chat and let him know. My friend Leonardo Nunez, uh, they can generate a PayPal invoice or you can use Wise to create a Canadian account. Oh, thanks Leonardo Nunez. So I do have PayPal. Is there any like, um, is there any like, fees with PayPal. I mean, sorry to be so like, like clumsy and awkward. Like, I don't know if there's fees with PayPal. Um, I would not like to pay fees. I mean, I know I'm willing to pay some fees, but like, if it's like a percentage, I don't want to do that. This ACH from the bank account seems option. All right. Hey, have we heard from shuttle crab? Did we... Did, did we hear from Shuttle Crab yet? Because if not, um, we need to know. Because uh, Rhonda, w- yesterday Rhonda had said she wanted to be the um, the baton holder. And, and um, so let's see what's up. All right, David Crawford. So Alfie lost creds to their campaign portal. This sounds like they weren't using MFA. Is there a good reason for bad guys not to use MFA? Um, no, I mean, they should use MFA, frankly. I mean, 